I'm your host, Rob Carbone. This is BD sucks when this team you know hits a bit of a slide just as a fan because it's it's especially as a New York Knicks fan the narrative changes so friggin much with this team you know when things are going well and it doesn't matter what season they're having like they're having a good overall solid overall season this year but it doesn't matter like when things are going well you know the Knicks are on the up and ups RJ's looking like a superstar. Randall needs the bag. Um, yeah, good complimentary role players. Tibbs, coach of the year. The Knicks looking like they're going to make the playoffs and maybe surprise some, some people and, and, and raise eyebrows. You know, all these compliments on, on them. And then when they hit a bit of a slide, they lose two tough games in a row. Both on the road, you know, third and fourth games back from break. The narrative changes. You know, it's, it's, we need this guy. We don't need that guy. We should do this. We should do that. This guy's not the one. That guy's the one. I'm worried about him. <laughs> and the Knicks are in a bad position like it it's so crazy how drastic things change it's weird the whole atmosphere i don't even know you know for lack of a better word i guess atmosphere but i'm trying to like the, the vibes the vibes are so so different they change dramatically it's, it's kind of toxic but like it's this is how it works man it's how it works in sports. It's not. I guess it's not just New York, but I guess in New York it's more magnified around the fan base because it's such a large fan base, especially Knicks fans. We are the only team in New York after all, but ooh, it sucks. You know, it sucks to have to go through these stretches. And honestly, we're, we're expect this because, again, this second half slate we've got coming up, um, it doesn't get easier. So expect a lot of these games where the Knicks are going to have to play their starters 40 plus minutes and players are going to look gassed like they did tonight and we're going to have a lot of the, we might have a lot of these moral victory type of games honestly you know we might not make a playoff set 8 9 10 even like we might not even hit that playing game you know we could just be looking at a solid step in the right direction period you know we might not even be talking about the playoffs anymore few weeks down the line because it's a tough second half schedule and the Knicks as we've seen are a team that doesn't have a ton of talent so they need the very few guys who have contributed to be healthy and right now Derrick Rose is not with this team Mitchell Robinson is not with this team Austin Rivers who hasn't really contributed much is not with this team um and then you know you know who is not with this team but he hasn't made much of a difference anyway so we just you know it's a difficult spot and, you know, we go back to yesterday night. And when I'm saying yesterday night, I mean um, 
Monday night against the um, the New Jersey Nets because as I am recording, it is a Tuesday night. Technically, it's a Wednesday. It's past midnight um, after the Philly game, but you know you get the point. As you're listening to this, it is Wednesday, Wednesday the seventeenth. As you are tuning into this episode, um, I'm your host RJ Carbone. You're listening to BD4 episode 222 of the podcast, but um. Yeah, I mean, it was a tough, tough Monday night loss. I mean, you know, so much happened that game. My mind was fried. Uh, you know, I had a difficult time remembering everything because usually when games happen, like I said, I put it aside and I get ready for the next. But so many things went down in this one. So many things. And obviously it came down to that final, that play with Julius. And I don't want to hit on it too much because, again, it's it's a couple games ago and it's old news by now. But, like, it was tough. You know, you had, was it was it a travel? You know, was it an up and down? Or did Kyrie get a piece? And, you know, the next day they did kind of talk about it. The, um, what's his name? The fucking dude who dresses like Ben Franklin. Um, former referee. The guy looks like a fucking wacko. Um... What's his fucking name? Uh, I have it here in my notes. The dude's name was Ma- uh, Monty, uh, Monty Wood? No. What's his fucking name? Hold on, let me go check. Because it, he was explaining the rules. And basically, Monty McCutcheon, yeah, what he said was that Randall still had control of the ball. Uh, you know, he's, he's strong enough to where Kyrie kind of Grazed it a bit with his hand, but Julius still had the ball in control, so it wasn't necessarily a block or a steal or a tip, whatever it would have been ruled as, and instead it was a fucking travel. I don't agree with that. I think that's, you know, you get a hand on the ball, it's it's a hand on the ball. It shouldn't be an up-down, but it ended up being an up-down, and, you know, Ben Franklin's cousin explained it. And um, that was that, you know. But you can blame officials because they made a, bu- a bunch of you know, calls that were you could have made a you could have made a case against a few things. You know, it wasn't just that play on Julius with Kyrie, but it was you know, Harden getting some free whistles. It was Kyrie getting away with some shit. It was RJ not getting some whistles his way. A lot of things, you know. But I, obviously, it came down to that Scott Foster call, and the Knicks didn't like it, and Julius Randle. You know, he had to be held back by Obi Toppin. Um, you know, in the heat of the moment, I really wanted to top uh, Obi, Julius to go rip Foster's head off. But, you know, rationally thinking, looking back at it, it was a smart move because we have a tough slate ahead. And Julius is our most important player. And we cannot afford to get him suspended or worse. So, you know, he probably would have decapitated Foster had he not been held back. But that happened, you know, and it was an unfortunate, you know, sequence of events there at the end. But the Knicks had their opportunities to win in the first, you know, 47 minutes. So they just couldn't do it. You know, they had that hot first quarter, you know, where they were on fire. Reggie Bullock got off to a really good start, you know, uh, but they couldn't defend. They were down 35 to 30 after that first quarter. You know, Julius Randle making Jeff Green look like Kevin Durant. 
who didn't play, obviously. Um, but Reggie gets hot, and he kind of keeps the Knicks in it for a bit. I think he scored 15 points, all those off of five three-pointers in the first half. Knicks going to the third, down 12 points, because in that second quarter, you know, that, that second unit, which we're going to get to um, later, kind of didn't have it, because he had IQ at the starting point guard spot, and there was no balance to even out the bench. It was just a bunch of guys who don't have offensive skill sets. Um, and so, you know, the Knicks still in it, though. Third quarter is very back and forth, uh, but every time the Knicks hit a big shot, it was like Joe Harris countering, and, you know, the Nets would do something back. And so after three, they were still down 12. Um, the fourth quarter comes, and the, <laughs> you get that crazy sequence of events. Um, you know, it was just... R.J. Barrett driving in pick and roll. But his downhill game in pick and roll, man, that needs to be utilized more. I mean, this kid is a great slasher. You know, he needs to... He needs more ball time. He needs more screens set for him because he is a very, very good pick and roll wing. Um, And, you know, using Taj Gibson's screens, getting downhill and finishing at the rim playing well. Randall hitting some big shots. Um, Burks contributing for a bit. You know. Um, but the Knicks end up losing. Again, I don't want to get into this game too much because, you know, it, it was just a very emotional, frustrating loss and we want to put it behind us. Um, Knicks eventually lose 117-112. But, you know, James Harden ends up with 21-15-15. and 15, You know, Hard to contain. Emmanuel quickly got torched by Kyrie. 40 points on 72% shooting. 18 shots. Um, you had... Just... just They played really good. You know? Julius... Great game for him, but... Hit that play at the end. RJ, great game for him, but... Just Knicks couldn't come out on top. And... You know? It, it was it was bad. It was a game where you missed a lot of guys. You missed Derrick Rose's presence. You missed Mitchell Robinson's presence getting eaten inside the paint again and that was that that was that was game um that game 40 of the season and the Knicks dropped to the Nets so funny after the post game uh, you had Harden Harden in the interview saying there are a lot more uh Knicks fans there basically saying that how we heard a lot of Knicks fans and you know let's let's not act shocked here because this this is what New York is they are all Knicks fans I, I don't know any Nets fans you know, of the six Nets fans in the world, I think I know about two of them. Um, but that's online. I know they, they follow my accounts on Twitter. <laughs> so I don't know if I know any Nets fans in person, uh, I think. I don't know any of those six Nets fans in person. So, um, But Harden was right. I mean, they were playing at home. The Knicks were playing at, at basically Barclays Center is, is basically MSJ 2.0. You know, it's... What can you say? We, we, we own this city, um, you know. They they're they're popular. The Knicks are the Knicks and the Nets. Nobody nobody went nobody watches the Nets. I don't. I'm sorry. I just I just they can win all they want. Sure, but you know, don't tell anybody. But like, I would rather have a solid young foundation to build on for long term success, as opposed to a couple of superstars at their peak to be hit or miss for a couple of years where you've already leveraged your mortgaged your future. Um, 
don't tell anybody I said that because I'll probably get you know ripped on. Um, but no, you know the, the Nets are a powerhouse right now, and they are boomer busts, and they were a tough team to handle. The Knicks tried their best, but the Nets are a powerhouse, man. They are just loaded on that roster, and that was with just James Harden and Kyrie Irving. You know, KD sat out with the injury. Blake Griffin not playing yet with them. So, and you know, it's they have every 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 right to um, brag because they beat the shit out of they beat the shit out of us, but they beat us two nothing so far in the series. They have us, and they are one of the best teams in the league. Maybe by the end of the season, they will be the best. You know, so it was unfortunate, but. That was game one. You're listening to BD4. Um, I'm your host, RJ Carbone. If you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, guys, be sure to subscribe to us right now. Um, You can find us on wherever you usually get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Anchor, Google Podcasts, and more. Um, You can watch us on YouTube if you're not doing so right now. And um, to get that information, you know, where to reach me on all the podcast feeds and to follow me on social media or maybe you haven't subscribed to my blog as well you can find all that information on my link tree so just go to my link tree go to linktr.ee forward slash rj carbone all right that'll take you to a page that displays all my information um yeah it was uh it was a rough game all right so it, it was a rough way to end the game you know every time the knicks pulled close the, the nets made a dominating stretch um, but the Knicks hung in there the entire time. And, you know, I thought on national TV it was going to be a blowout. By the way, things looked at points in the first half, but they ended up hanging in there. And it was good that they put up the performance they did on national TV. Maybe that kind of puts the league on notice that the Knicks are, you know, on the up and ups here. And some players see that as a positive and maybe want to come here for a change. Um, so that that was pretty much it as far as that New Jersey Nets game. Um, Yeah, we get to the Sixers game, and it's, you know, another another very tough loss to handle, one that got away from them this time. Um, The Knicks really looked good in the first three quarters of this game. Uh, They ended up losing 99-96, which, by the way, I just hit the over. I have the alternate over on this game, and I just hit it. Um, it was like I had nine, a 192 was my um, alternate over part of my parlay. Just hit it. Um, so they take the loss by three, but this was a game where you really you wanted them to take. Man, they had this again. The first three quarters, it looked it looked pretty promising. You had R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, and Alec Burks even contributing uh, to carry the Knicks into the fourth period, up nine points. That fourth quarter comes, and they just fell flat. The Knicks ended up mustering 14 points. Uh, Philly doubled that, and that's that's the game right there. You know, the Knicks let the game slip away in the final three minutes, especially. You know, once the Sixers took that lead, I knew this shit was over. They took that lead. I was like, oh, yeah, we, we ain't coming from behind this one. Um, as resilient are, as, as the Knicks are, they just didn't have the talent to finish it out. Um, you know, this, the Sixers have all these wings who can shoot, man. They've got Curry. Curry hit some big shots, you know, in that fourth quarter and routes of 20 points. Um, 
He really, I thought Curry really killed the Knicks out of the gate in that third quarter with those back-to-back -back triples. That really kind of set the tone for the Sixers to make that comeback in the second half. But he did hit some big ones in the fourth. Tobias Harris, who had 30 points, hit a few big ones. Um, that kid off the bench, Corkmoss, he had a, he had a nice night, 12 points. Um, you know, Milton hit a shot down the end of the game there. The other kid's name, good defender. Um, it's kind of their version of Frank. Matisse Thibel, he hit a shot. You know, just some timely shooting. Guys chipping in, and the Knicks leaving way too much room. Way too much room on the on the perimeter there. Guys just not not playing out, and they're playing way too far off them. They had to get out on the perimeter, but the Knicks just wouldn't. You know, they just... And on the flip side, the Knicks couldn't come through with their big shots of their own. I mean, you know, another performance just like NJ. You, you missed big shots down the stretch. And, you know, you had that play where RJ was wide open from the corner in that Nets game in the second half. That was a big shot they missed. And you had RJ miss some big shots late here as well. Um, you know, they're two guns. They're really the Knicks' top two guns. RJ and Randall were pretty gassed. I think they were pretty gassed down the stretch, honestly. Um, you know, Randall with some bad turnovers, some missed shots. He was kind of throwing the ball all over the place. Um, he left some Sixers wide open for three. Um, he just looked gassed, you know, on a back-to-back. -back, another 40-minute workload. It's going to happen. He, he's he's relied on so much, especially without Randall. Um Robinson and Rose and RJ, you know, those two missed jump shots, the pull up, there was that pull up mid range after what looked like he got away with a backcourt violation. And then there was a bit later on where he missed a wide open, like seven footer that you cannot miss. And he missed it. So his clutch game has got to improve, man. He's got to start hitting those shots in the clutch. He had a big moment earlier in the season when he missed it. You know, that, that shot at the rim over Butler against the heat. Um, he's got to start hitting these big time shots. That's that's one of the next steps in order for him to become, you know, closer to that all star ceiling that we want him to reach. Um, yeah, I mean, just missing shots down the stretch. Uh, they were only fourteen for twenty two at the charity stripe. You cannot do that and expect to win a game. Can't miss three throws. RJ was three for seven. Randall was four for six. Quickly continued to struggle at the line. He missed a free throw. Um, just guys not executing. Just not executing and then giving up wide open threes on the other end. That is a formula for disaster, and it was a disaster. Um, and then there was that... Like, the, the poor execution we're getting, man, out of these timeouts lately, it's rough. You know, I thought Randall, despite that controversial call last night, he probably should. I don't think he should have taken that shot. He still had about four and a half seconds to do something else. But he pulls up in a rough spot, you know, takes a contested shot. And I thought to begin with, he shouldn't have taken that shot. And then we come out here tonight, and like the final 15 seconds, you get that awful shot by Emmanuel Quickly, who I'm going to touch on in a bit. Um, and then you get the awful blunder there by Reggie Bullock, you know, stepping out of bounds. Um, why that play wasn't reviewed. I don't know. You know, Tom Thibodeau couldn't challenge it. I don't think the Knicks had any timeouts left, but the officials could have reviewed it. They did not. And again, it, it was under two minutes. They had 
15 seconds. In other sports, you have automatic reviews under two minutes in, in a controversial play, right? I, I didn't do it here. Um, kind of bullshit. Again, uh, another game with poor officiating. I don't want to get on it too much, though, because, again, the Knicks had their opportunities. Um, it was fucking ugly, man. It just... just Really bad. Um, somebody mentioned, I was listening to another show uh, just a couple of minutes ago before I started recording, how Tom Thibodeau's execution of these timeouts is way worse than like Mike Miller. It always felt like Mike Miller was really good in ATO situations. But Thibodeau's ATOs haven't been as successful this year, and they're starting to... You, you can see it these last couple of games, but you, you think back, he's had a couple more moments in the last few months where, you know, it's been a bit iffy. Um, but, yeah, we, we got to do better down the stretch of these games. We have to figure out some kind of set to run. Again, run RJ in some more downhill pick-and-roll actions or, you know, set Julius up for something, you know, on the elbow. Post, draw him up a post play. I, something. You know, these, these plays where we just kind of free-for-all and chuck up a prayer they're not going to do it. They're not going to cut it. We don't have the personnel to just do that shit. You know, we have... It's just not not ideal. <laughs> it's it's not ideal. Um, we just need our depth back, man. You know, the right now, the bench is not cutting it. Again, they were atrocious in, in the, the game against the Nets. They kind of set the tone for doom there in that second quarter on Monday night. But on Tuesday night, they... <laughs> Tonight, they friggin', you know, specifically Frank Nilakina <clears throat> and Obi Toppin, they are absolutely lost. Um, Obi specifically is giving you nothing. Zilch, he is unplayable right now. Um, he can't shoot. He's not dunking on anybody. He's not getting those open court fast break opportunities which is really where he thrived a lot in Dayton. And I think a lot of that has to do with Derrick Rose being absent right now. But he's not doing anything. He doesn't have a post-up game. He's getting all these guards in the post, and he still can't take them. He's not being aggressive. He's He just doesn't look confident, doesn't look lost, Has looks lost, doesn't look like he has a rhythm, um, has never found a rhythm so far in the NBA. You know, We probably should have G-leagued him back when the season was in play, but... The G League season's over, and right now, the only reason Obi is out there is probably just politics. You know, they drafted him at number eight. It would kind of look bad for them to not play him, and that would kind of follow the LOL Knicks narrative. But honestly, I don't even care. I, I think you just ignore the noise and put what product is giving you a better chance of winning a game out on the floor. And right now, if all we're going to do is, is watch Obi top and hide in the corner as some floor spacer and just airball three-pointers, why not use Kevin Knox in that role? Because that's the only thing Kevin Knox is good at, is shooting three-pointers in the corner. He was over 40% from three this year. The majority of those triples were from the corner. Let's put Kevin Knox at that four spot and have him be that guy. Because I can guarantee you, so long as he continues to play the way he was playing before he was kicked out of the rotation, Knox would give you a better chance of winning games right now over Obi Toppin. I can't believe we're saying that heading into this year. You were thinking Obi was 22, polished, ready to go, and Knox was looking, you know, on his way out the door. <laughs> but 
Knicks fans are actually as high on Knox as they've ever been. <laughs> you know, and Obi is anything but NBA ready. Um, play Kevin Knox, man. I mean, I mean, I don't get it. You got Alec Burks, Reggie Bullock, who show up either for the first half of a game and then disappear, or a stretch here and there, or they show up for, you know, one game and then they disappear for the next four. They're very, very inconsistent. You look at their stats, it looks solid, but the eye test says otherwise. The eye test says that Burks and Bullocks are just way too wildly inconsistent for the Knicks to rely on them. They're supposed to be these shooters that stabilize this offense. They've been anything but shooters, and the Knicks are still looking drastically for a shooter, so why can't Tom Thibodeau just try plugging in Kevin Knox? Because Frank Nilakina sure as shit ain't doing it. He was much better off at the two. When he was playing at the two, he was doing it. But right now, we're limited at the point guard position with two injuries. Three if you count Rivers. And Frank's out here three games in a row with zero points. You cannot have that. I don't care who you are. If you're an NBA player, you cannot score zero points per game over your last three. That is unacceptable. It's disgusting. Pathetic. Egregious. Abominable. Horrendous. Horrific. Whatever you want to throw out there. It's bad. It's it's not it's not acceptable, and I still think there's a place for Frank. Um, I just don't think there's a place for Frank on the Knicks, you know, because we lack scoring, and Frank is a guy who, especially right now, is is out there, and we need production from him. But I think if you put Frank on a team who already has some scoring, you can use him as that defensive-minded player off the bench, right? But on a Knicks team that lacks offense, anybody who goes out there needs to have some kind of existence offensively. And right now, Frank Nilakina does not exist offensively. Um, while we have him, I think he's best off playing next to IQ, next to a Derrick Rose. But we don't have those guys right now. We don't have Derrick Rose here to bring that balance between the, the starting lineup and the bench. You know, it's It's tough. I saw a comment on some blog. It was like, Frank Nilakina is going to have, if only he could shoot on his tombstone. <laughs> I just fucking love that. But it's true. I mean, the guy just, he, he, he can't shoot. He can't shoot. He was looking good at the two earlier this year. Maybe we should, again, try playing him next to a point guard. But tell you what, IQ isn't a point guard, man. I want to get to him. In a, I'll get to him right now. Just... Listen, I'm not gonna sound. I'm not gonna sit here and act like I, I've. I know everything, but I was advocating for Emmanuel quickly to start at point guard for so long at the start of the season, only because Alfred Payton was that bad, and we weren't hearing about the Derrick Rose trade yet. Right? We didn't have Derrick Rose for the first several months of the year. We had Alfred Payton and Emmanuel quickly. And so when you were talking about those two, you wanted quickly to start. Obviously, he needed to start. He was the only good point guard on the team. But now that you have Derrick Rose, and now that he's looked really sharp as a Knicks so far, I think whenever he gets back, you have got to put IQ back on the bench. He belongs as a squad. I really think this guy, and I've said this before, is a legitimate sixth man. I think his floor is a sixth man scorer. His ceiling is a sixth man of the year guy. He's going to be a sixth man contender 
of the year contender, uh, I think will hit that ceiling for sure. And he's a scorer. He's a bucket getter. He's developed a reputation as being a microwave scorer, you know, kind of like an Alonzo Trier who plays through the offense. Um, he's just not a point guard. He's a shooting guard who plays on the ball a lot, but can play off the ball. You know, he's more of a combo. He's a combo. And, you know, the playmaking has kind of regressed a bit since the start of the season, I believe. Um, he's starting to develop an identity as, again, just a, a bucket getter. And, you know, I think what you do is you start Derrick Rose for about 25 minutes and you have IQ. If you want to close games with IQ, you do that. But you have him come off the bench, play the other 24, 25 minutes, and let Rose do his thing. Because I think what Rose brings that no other Nick point guard does is he brings a, a high-energy, full-court point guard, somebody who pushes the tempo and plays at a high pace, and the Knicks are really missing that. Um, and he opens things up with his drive-and-kick game. Great slashing ability. He opens things up because he's got a reliable mid-range shot. And he's even shot the three ball so far pretty well as a Nick. So I think you start Rose. You let him go out there and you do his thing once he gets back. But I don't expect that to happen. I think you know, Peyton's just, uh, some reason, this love affair. But I think you start Rose, in my opinion, that's what I would do. I'd start Rose. I'd have IQ come off the bench and, you know, try to find this balance that we can still have a solid bench with a, a solid starting lineup. And I think for that, you need to do that. But also, maybe we should start staggering RJ and Julius a bit more. And we saw that in the fourth quarter on Monday night. Uh, we may have saw it a bit tonight, too. But I mean, I'm talking about legitimately staggering their minutes more. So, so one of them is always on the floor. So we don't have to have these lineups where you get Burks, Bullock, Nerlens, Ortaj, and you know Obi. With Frank, you know, we need we need one of RJ or Julius on the floor because that's a guaranteed, you know, you're getting somebody who can be that go-to guy offensively, right? RJ on any given night is, is prone to give you 15 to 25 points. Julius Randle on any given night is prone to give you 20 to 30 points. You know, no other guy on this team you could say the same for. So one of them, I think, has to constantly be on the floor. You need to think about staggering them if you're Tom Thibodeau. Um, just That's just going to be the way to optimize this offense. You're listening to BD4. I am your host, RJ Carbone. This is episode 222 of the podcast. Uh, the Knicks coming off two consecutive losses, two very rough games. Um, guys, if you haven't subbed to the podcast, be sure to do that right now. You can go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, SoundCloud. You can watch us on YouTube and many more in order to find me on all those podcast feeds and to find me on social media and maybe subscribe to my blog if you'd like just go to my link tree linktr.ee forward slash rj carbone so thank you for stopping by i feel like i'm rushing tonight i'm talking really fast um just because i again these last two games so much shit has happened even even this sixers game i didn't really have a way to organize it all into to my notes. I just wrote down some bullet points on my notes. Usually I'll have more of a organized structure. But I don't know, man. It was kind of recording last minute. Uh, I took notes last minute and 
it was just all like jumbled in my head. It's so many things that I'm probably missing out on. You know, there's probably some things I should be talking about, but I simply just forgot about. But it just comes down to that, man. Like the things we've been saying all season, really. You need more shooting. Obi is struggling. If you're trying to win games over developing everybody right now, then plug in Kevin Knox, who's a guy you're trying to develop as well. Um, you know, you're having trouble at point guard. I, right now, they're kind of strapped, but I'm telling you, man, as soon as Derrick Rose gets back, he's got to be this point guard. You cannot have Alfred Payton out there. I think Emmanuel quickly is best as that six-man scoring punch. Great alongside Rose. Great in lineups without him. I think that's the best way to go. You start Rose. He's a veteran. I get it. Got to limit his minutes a bit. So you play him 25 minutes a night. The other 24, you play quickly. Or 25, you, whatever. They split time to equal out that 48. Kick Peyton to the curb. That's the ideal scenario. <laughs> you know, that's a lot different than what the Knicks are probably going to go with. But that's my ideal scenario is to go, is to go Rose IQ and Sayonara Peyton. But do that. Give Knox minutes. Stagger RJ and Julius. I, I think there are ways to optimize this offense. And hopefully Tom Thibodeau can start doing that as he, you know, sees these elite teams coming up on the schedule more and more. We can make these adjustments. Um we've got the Magic next and again this this you gotta beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. And the Magic aren't a great team. They're another team that's fighting for a playoff spot. Gotta beat this team. This is one of the easier teams we're going to get in the second half. So as long as we continue to beat the the lower tier teams like the Thunder, now the Magic coming up, all we gotta do is play hard against those elite teams and maybe we'll have we'll find a way to sneak in at ten. You know, maybe. But we just gotta get healthy. That's that's again when you're a Knicks team that lacks talent, you need everybody to play. You need all your guys back, and we are depleted at the moment. We need guys back, and Derrick Rose. As much as I was shitting on that move when they made it, it was more just because I was nervous that IQ wasn't going to get his run, and IQ's getting some run now. But you know, it's taken Rivers and Peyton to both be out. Um, but IQ is getting run. I just wish it would be run at the two and or you know off the bench and have I mean I just miss Rose guy played so good he was such a good fit for this team he gets everybody going he played good with Obi he he really did he got everybody going and he was for himself but he was also a good playmaker this is a guy who could drop 15 and 5 for you still so I'm hoping he gets back soon. I don't know what the deal is with this protocol shit. He might have had a death in the family. Um, but hopefully he's he's alright. And hopefully he gets back as soon as he can. Because this team has lost that point guard without him. I'll tell you that right now. They need a true floor general. And he's the closest thing you have to one. You know. Um, I, I want to get into some trade talks. Uh, not too much, but... You know, we have heard some bullshit rumors. I don't even want to call it rumors. Just like junk talk. Just fantasy talk. But um, it'd be nice to get... You know, I don't want to make any big moves, right? Uh, the Beal thing is insane, stupid, ridiculous. The... the uh, What else is there? I don't know. Some other big names that we'll get into in a second. But I think if you are to make any kind of trade, 
it should be smaller moves that fill voids. And if you're looking at things like that, I think there's one thing I'm really looking at here. This this the point guard thing. I think you situate that down the line, right? You figure out a point guard of the future in the draft, whatever. For you, maybe free agency. Maybe you rely on the Mavs to keep losing, whatever. But this season, I think the best way to go is again have Derrick Rose be that stopgap. And the thing you want at the trade deadline, if I'm if I'm the Knicks, if I'm Leon Rose, I'm looking at a three. I'm looking. I need another three alongside R.J. Barrett, another wing who can spot up shoot. Right, somebody who doesn't need to have the ball in his hand as a creator. We have enough of those guys. We've got Rose. We've got IQ. You know, we've got a lot of scores, but we need somebody who can shoot the ball in those spot up catch and shoot scenarios. Um, does that mean J.J. Redick? You know, if the price is right, uh, Harrison Barnes, if the price is right. You know, whatever we can do to get somebody like that, if it takes a second round pick, I'm not against it. Um, I wouldn't go as far as to trading you know, first round picks, but whatever we can get some help on the perimeter, because unfortunately it's not coming from Reggie Bullock enough. It's not coming from Alec Burks enough. Um, RJ Bullock has, uh, RJ Bullock, RJ Barrett has improved as a shooter. He needs help around him though, because he needs to keep doing his thing in space. You know, attacking the rim, playing bully ball, and getting some help to space out the floor for him. You get those shooters. You don't have to keep relying on RJ and, and Randall every friggin' night. You can finally get a guy to take the load off who's hits a couple of threes a night. You know, gives you 15 more points, 10 more points even. Somebody who could just shoot the ball. Redick, Barnes. Um... I think Buddy Heald's going to cost a lot, and I'm not sure the Kings are going to get rid of him yet. Um, but somebody who can spot up shoot. I think that's what you do at the deadline if you're the Knicks. Um, though, if you're going to make a big move, I think Lonzo Ball, yeah, I've heard that, is a really good option at point guard. You know, we want to talk about point guard of the future. I think that's a really good option. Lonzo Ball is a really good option. He's an excellent passer, excellent playmaker. He, he's got the ability to shoot now. He's improved that three-point shot. Um, I'm not sure the Pelicans are getting rid of him. I, I, don't, I know they've got a traffic jam at point guard, but they do have Kyra Lewis Jr., so they just drafted him. I was big on him in the draft. I wanted the Knicks to take him. but um, So maybe they look to deal him, and maybe the Knicks can figure something out there. But the two um, more recent players I've heard in the headlines of late, you know... It's again. I don't want to talk about this too much because it's something I just don't see happening. It's just I, I just think it's smokescreen for shit. Um, you know, and I despise rumors like this. But here we are talking about Andre Drummond. You know, potentially hitting the buyout market. Do the Knicks consider a deal there? <laughs> again, I don't see this happening at all. Um, but he is hitting the market. Um, he he does want to buy out and. I just think if, if Andre Drummond is to get traded or, or to sign this big extension deal with the team, I think anybody who's got to do it will be a contender, right? You look at the, the New Jersey Nets. Um, you look at the, the Lakers in the Western Conference, right? Those teams are trying to get that final piece to their puzzle, right? The Lakers need a big. Um, AD's even hurt right now. The Nets have no big. 
you know, they, they, they need that piece. You know, defense and rebounding, they lack that desperately, and Drummond's the guy who gives you that. Um, so, you know, and don't believe for a minute that they won't try for him. The Nets are, are they've shown you, you know, two big moves already this year that they will make additions to their team. Um, you know, so Drummond, you know, it makes sense for him to go to one of those teams, especially for himself, you know, want to kind of, kind of, you know, if you're, if you're Drummond, you're thinking, all right, maybe if I thrive and, and play my game on a title contender, it, it helps my chances at, at getting the bag this summer. Right. Or, or, you know, but the, the Knicks are looking, the rumors say that the Knicks are, are looking to, to go as far as throwing them the bag. <laughs> I don't. No, no, thank you, man. You, you, you've still got Mitchell Robinson here. You know, you have Mitch, who you have the opportunity to throw him the extension this summer. Um, but you know, you bring along Drummond. Does Mitch just lose that starting spot that he earned in his third season? I mean, he worked hard for that. You know, I'm not sure he's gonna like that. He's not afraid to speak his mind on social. We've seen that. Does it mess with the chemistry a bit? You know, does it hurt his development? You could split the time, but still, Mitch worked hard for that starting spot, and he was playing really, really good when he was healthy. Let's not forget that. Um, Drummond's not coming here to sit on the bench either. You know, I'll tell you that right now. This is a a fifteen and fifteen player. He's not going to sit on the bench for somebody who's with Mitch Evan like seven and seven half of that. So he's coming here. He's going to start, and he's, he's. I just I wouldn't do it. I, it's not something I think the Knicks need. Is he an upgrade over Noel and Taj? Sure, yeah. You know, he's fine as a rental. If, if you want to take him as a rental for the rest of this year, sure. You know, if that second round pick rumor is true, and I don't. I have a hard time believing that's true. I don't. I don't think that. Where is he? I was going to say Detroit. Where the hell is Drummond? Cleveland? No. We just played him the other night too. I don't know. I'm drawing a friggin' blank here, but. It'll come to me, but yeah, I, you know, I'll do the rental if it was only that second round pick. But again, I'm I'm pretty sure. I read that on Bleacher Report, but I'm pretty sure they're going to ask for a lot more than that. Um, you know, but if he is looking for the bag and extension right away, no, you know, I just I, I just the last thing we need is is I don't even know if I do it. Like just just another big to clog the paint. Is that really filling a void here? You know, we have defense at that position right now. I think Noel's held it down, and Mitch, it looks like he could be on the return soon. He was cleared for contact earlier today. Again, the thing we need is spacing, and that's not getting us more spacing. That's even that's making it even worse, and we need shooting. We need somebody who can not limit Randall around the rim and not clog that paint for R.J. Barrett to do his thing. Um, we just need... Again, a point guard. Maybe that comes later, but we also, most importantly, again, this season we need a fucking wing who can shoot the ball. So, Drummond, no thank you. Uh, the I've heard Miles Turner now. That's that's the the other one I'm hearing is Miles Turner coming to the Knicks. Um, again, why? Focus on necessities here. Not another big. These it's just these rumors make no sense. You know, unless the Knicks are moving to are planning to move on without Mitchell Robinson and they don't see him as this building block after all. Yeah, Turner's younger, He, he but he would cost players 
picks and he's got the what the 18 million dollar salary you got to play got to pay this year next year and in 2023 you know but again this is just bullshit fantasy rumors I'm here and I don't think the Pacers are getting rid of Miles Turner guys <laughs> just things that aren't even worth bringing up but I just did just just because I, I just needed to uh, to vent and give my two cents I guess um but not a good not a good stretch here for the Knicks. And they're gonna have some some rough patches this second half. And I'm telling you, you look at this slate, if you haven't yet, get a chance to do it. Do it. It's rough. It does not look pretty. Um we have the magic up next, but we go right back home to play the Phillies, uh the the, the Sixers on um Saturday. So it's not gonna be easy. Um Last night very well could have been the last time the Knicks saw a 500 record. You know, I was saying, I don't know if I said it out loud, but I was thinking before we headed into All-Star break, when we were on that 21, or was it 20 and 19 high, I was like, oh boy, I hope this isn't the peak of our season, man. Because I can very well see it. Uh, the second half has a tough schedule. Guys might get gassed because Thibodeau has played them a ton of minutes already. And so... So far, the second half of the year, we've seen some indicators that mm, maybe that was the final time we're, we're going to be above 500. Maybe it's going to be a grind from here on out. But it's difficult to say. This team has surprised us up to this point. They are resilient. They play with a ton of balls. And again, they're, they're, they're not exactly healthy at the moment either. Um, the teams they're playing, though, aren't healthy either. You know, the Sixers are lacking Embiid and the Nets just lacked. Um, we just played them in a game where they're lacking KD and Blake again, but we'll see. It's hard to play the game. Uh, the one thing I don't want to do is tank. So, I don't want to hear these tank fucking takes come out again. I don't know why people are ever for tanking. I was never for tanking. I think, you know, my you, know, you all know my take on that. It's it's toxic garbage. I just, I'm not for rooting for losses. I've never been a loser. I don't have a losing cupcake mentality. I'm here to watch my team win. And I'm not here to watch, to root for my team to lose. That's pathetic. That's not a true fan. If you're rooting for tanking, I don't give a fuck if you think it helps in the end. I think it's a disgusting strategy that should be banned <laughs> if it ever could. But, um... I just listen. We're we're in a better spot than where we've been in a whole lot with this franchise. So if the Knicks can just continue to play hard, hope to get healthy, and stay healthy, then again we're looking at a potential playing game, in my opinion. Um, but we'll see. We'll have to see. It could be a really really tough stretch here. It's not going to be easy. These guys are going to be gassed by the end of the year, win or lose. They are going to be gassed. Um, getting to the playoffs, for me, it's a bonus. Finishing the year with a credible-looking record, somewhere respectable in the standings, and players are developing, and the culture is changing. You know, you're starting to see guys learn to win. That, to me, is the most important part about this, right? But, you know, for where we are right now, you take it. 
and you you see what the Knicks can do with it. All right, so let's head to break. It's going to be our first break of the night, and when we get back, I think we're going to wrap this thing up. There's not much, yeah. There's not much else I have to add tonight. Again, I, I probably could have added a lot more had I sat down, thought about these two games, and actually took legitimate notes. But I, I honestly just wrote a bunch of bullshit down on, on bullet points and then didn't have my best preparation for this one. But um, let's get to our break, guys. You're listening to BD4. Um, I'm your host, RJ Carbone. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll be right back with the question of the day. And um, from there, we'll wrap this thing up. Quick plug. So really quick, before we get back into the show, I do want to remind you that if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast or subscribed to my blog or followed me on social media even, you can do all that by going to my link tree. Just go to linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. That is linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. Guys, thanks so much. Let's get back to the show. All right, man. So, yeah, I mean, listen, it, it's... I, I love Julius Randle, man. I, there's a lot of concern right now with the minutes load, right? He's getting a lot of 40-minute games. But we're seeing the fatigue set in. Um... It's normal. It's human, right? He, it's gonna take a toll. This shit's gonna take a toll on you physically, mentally. It's gonna take a toll on you as an NBA player. Um. So, uh, like I said, man, we just need help. You just need some help. We can't just continue to rely on him every night and go where he goes. That's gonna happen. You know, this is gonna be the case unless we get some help. So. Uh, if we are talking playoffs, man, that's that, we're probably going to have to make some type of move. Rose is going to have to get busy. Perry's going to have to help him out. But, you know, doing what we've done so far, a lot of the damage has been against these lower tier, lower level type of teams. So, playing these tough teams, the gritty performances will help. The, the fight that we bring will help. You know, Randall and RJ will continue to do their thing, but it might not always be enough. So just I'm just saying, don't expect this team to make the playoffs. That's all I meant. You know, that's all I meant before we had to break there. So I just wanted to clarify that. Like, guys are gonna be they're gonna be gassed. This is this is this isn't gonna be easy. A lot of minutes, a lot of minutes, a lot of minutes ahead too, and a tough schedule ahead. So it, it might not be pretty, but we'll see. All right, let's head to the question of the day. So, last time out in episode 220, I asked you fellas, who was the last Nick before Julius Randle to record at least two triple-doubles in a season? Doubles. And when? Alright, so let's say that again. I asked you last time out, who was the last Nick to record two-plus triple-doubles in a year and when? Alright, so before Julius did it. And the answer to that question was Mark Jackson in 1989. Oh, shit. Mark Jackson in 89. It's like three decades ago. Oh, man. That was the answer to the NYYMYK question of the day for episode 220. Tonight's NYYNYK 
question of the day. Interesting one. I thought of it off the top of my head because I was watching the Yankees earlier and then they were talking about farm systems and good farm systems and they brought up the Chicago White Sox. So I was like, oh, this is a good one. So the question of the day for episode 221, our MYYMYK question of the day brought to you by Anchor. Which Knicks All-Star once... Fucking can't talk. Which Nick All-Star once pitched a shutout for the Chicago White Sox? Alright? Which Knicks All-Star once pitched a shutout for the fucking Chicago fucking White Sox? Really cool. Really cool. So, give me the answer to that question in my Facebook DMs, Instagram DMs, or Twitter DMs, or just comment once I publish the promo to this podcast. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I think that's all we've got for this one. Um, am I missing anything? I probably am. I probably have a lot of things that I wanted to say, but, um, that, that's, that's, I tried my best thinking of everything I wanted to hit on. There are probably a few takeaways I should add, but, um, listen, you know, there's no excuse for, for losing games, but don't expect these, these games coming up to be anything. I, I just... I'm trying to keep to temper my expectations. That's all. I'm trying to temper my expectations. All right. You know, I, I don't want to make excuses for this team. I just don't want to. I I don't want to fucking expect a lot to be let down in the end. I, I think if people expect this team to make the playoffs, they're they're putting a lot of fucking you know disappointment in their future. I, I, I just, I don't think they, ha I don't think they're good enough yet. I don't think they have it yet. Um, but we're going to have to see what they do. There's, there's a little bit of time left until the trade deadline comes up. We're already in mid March. So I think it's sometime, I'm going to say the 24th, 25th, unless it's, it's later than that. I don't know, but we'll, we'll see. We'll fucking see, you know, so that's that. That's all we've got for the Knicks. Um, uh, we need to get healthy. You know, we, we just need we need Rose. We need Mitch. Man, man, we need Mitch. The, the rim protection, the rebounding, man. We are getting killed on the fucking boards right now. You know, offensive rebounds is a huge weakness for us right now. And, you know, Mitch was, was a terrific offensive rebounder. Um, but yeah, we need a, an off the ball two, a three, somebody who can spot up and shoot. And we need Mitch healthy and we need Rose back pushing the pace and getting everybody to play at a fast tempo, you know, so the Knicks can kind of establish themselves as, as a legitimate contender at least. So maybe that happens. Maybe we get fully healthy. Maybe we get the pieces we need and all these things happen and things start to look up again. But until then, man, I think it's going to continue to be this up and down grind, this up and down battle. Um, and we'll just see what happens after that. So that's all we've got, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, you're listening to BD4 or maybe you're watching BD4 on YouTube. But if you're listening to it, you're either listening to it on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Anchor, our sponsor, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, or one of them many platforms that we are on in order to find this podcast BD4 on all these platforms just go to my link tree go to link.tr oh, I'm sorry link tr 
bit.ly forward slash RJ Carbone. So that's all we've got for this one. I am your host, RJ Carbone, and this is episode 222 of the podcast. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate each and every one of you. Um, yeah, man, it, it's been a fun ride so far. It's been a fun ride. But, God, I fucking hate losing, man. I, I just... Leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Leaves a really bad taste in my fucking mouth. Just to, to, to lose like we've been doing. Fighting so hard and then... Against... I, I hate the Nets. I don't know if anybody else... I hate the Nets. Um, and I do think the Nets is a rivalry, to be honest. Everybody says, oh, they have to be this, that. Well, they're both good teams now. They're they're both inner cities. The fans are always arguing about who runs New York. I, the players definitely play with a little extra edge. You could tell. Did you not see Monday night? I mean, don't tell me it's not a rivalry. These guys hate the fuck out of each other. The Knicks fans and the Six Nets fans hate each other. They despise each other. There are wars and uh, on the internet comments and you know the media. People fucking it's a rivalry, man. I don't know why people are so against labeling this as a rivalry. It's like, oh no, they're not. They're yada. Why is that a bad thing? Why can't they? It's anything. It's it's naturally a rivalry too. You know, it's New York versus New York. That's naturally always been a rivalry. Yankees-Mets has naturally always been a rivalry. The Subway Series. Well, you've got the same thing with the Knicks and Nets now. Especially since the NJ Nets came to Brooklyn. They've, you know, it's made it that rivalry. They fucking hate each other and they want to always one-up each other. And right now they're on two different, you know, levels. And the Nets are a super team trying to contend. But like I said, the Knicks are a team who's looking for more long-term success. And we'll see how that works out. But yeah, I wanted to add that in there. That's one thing I forgot to add. But it's, you know, it, what, what can I say? Fucking, you know, people shit on the Knicks. People shit on the Knicks. But this year, we're, we're trying our best to, to finally get the respect we deserve. And any casual who says this has been a bad year for the Knicks and they're only happy because they're better than they've been before. No, no. We've got players developing. Players are making big jumps. We're in a playoff spot. We've hovered around 500 for a big chunk of the season. You know, put your put your hate aside. Stop following the popular narratives that you see on ESPN from Kellerman, from Isola, the Nick hate, the LOL Knicks narrative. Stop listening to those big media markets and watch a game or two. And not, don't just watch the games. Pay attention to the games and you'll see what Knicks fans are talking about. The heart this team has, the energy they bring. So, I'm rambling, man. I'm fucking rambling. We were supposed to end the show minutes ago. <laughs> Still going on. I'm just fucking ranting. I'm angry. I'm angry. But yeah, the Knicks are having a solid season, man. You can't tell me they're not. They they have already tied their win total from last year. They're going to end the year on a positive, bearing any drastic change. They've found a new face of the franchise in Randall. They have R.J. Barrett looking like a great number two to him. They've got Mitchell Robinson looking like he's on the up and ups and he's on the way back from his injury. Um, the fact that we can even talk about enticing trade options 
means that we have some pieces to deal with now. We have players who we can look at and potential opportunities to trade of to use as trade bait. We've got the draft capital to do so. We've got cap space to use. It's looking good. All right. So if you want to end it on the positive, yes. I still think we're in good shape here. So that's all we've got, guys. Again, you're listening to BD4. I'm your host, RJ Carbone, and I'm signing out. I'll see you in the next one. Ciao. This podcast is sponsored by Anchor.